the pimps in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a decent amount to get to today. We're doing the tight end review, as promised, so that'll be interesting. We'll talk about the three tight ends on the roster. Um, Andrew Thomas got surgery, which we'll talk about. Um, and the return of Giant Stories, which is very exciting. The return of, of Giant Stories, which is always fun. It leads to, I think, some of our better moments on the show. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll end up starting with Joe Judge talking to the fan for a second. But Justin, how, uh, how are you doing before we, uh, how, how are you doing? Good. Good. Um, exciting that we, um, we announced Bleeding Blue, um, yesterday. Um, we announced it just, we're going to, we're going over to John Boy Media. We're going to be on the Talking Giants YouTube channel. We have a trailer coming out today at like two o'clock. Um, Monday at 8 a.m. We're going to have a, our first episode. I'm looking so forward instead to that. Of, 8 a.m. Yeah, I will be, I'll be, I'll be one of your first viewers on 8 a.m. Should we premiere it? Ooh, it's a good question. Maybe we should. Maybe we should premiere it. So Monday, 8 a.m. Uh, and probably maybe like 5 a.m. for podcast listeners. Um, just so if you want to get it early, jump on it because I know people like to go to work on Monday. But 8 a.m. It's gonna be it's gonna be a show. It's not just gonna be a podcast. You know, Talking Giants is a podcast. Like we don't really include clips on our podcast because they're long and you know it's not supposed to be a show. It's supposed to be a podcast. But Bleeding Blue, we want that to be a show. So we're gonna include clips. We're gonna include a bunch of things. We're gonna be talking about. Um, the NFC Championship on Monday, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you can tune into the YouTube. If not, listen to the podcast, and it'll be just like it usually was. It's a Giants history show with snacks, so it'll be a it'll be a fun time. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm for looking it. forward to it. We w- executive decision. We'll premiere it on YouTube at eight. Um, two other people made executive decisions. You want to know who, Justin? Who? Mike Harper. You know where he's from? Canada. Nope, the opposite. He's from Australia. Ooh. Is Australia the opposite of Canada? No, I would say opposite, well let's say let's say opposite but still white. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, like Canada's like just like super nice, kind of boring people, no offense to Canada, where Australia it's down under, like they're crazy. Yeah. There's no polarization like maple syrup and then beer. However, people go like that's that seventy show. People go to Canada to drink. Well, this is Americans going to Canada people to drink, drink and in, have a good time. Canada a lot. Here's a fun fact: they don't really like Fosters in Austria. Australia probably don't like it in Austria either. Lovely accent. Uh, all right, uh, and then Kevin Muldoon. Kevin Muldoon. His picture on Patreon is very professional. Um, so Kevin, um, do something unprofessional this weekend. How about that? Yeah, it's not Justin, your LinkedIn. Who, who are these um, Australian professional freaks? Mm. They went to patreon.com slash giants, And for $2 a month, uh, they get to see Bobby and I uh, just mess around and, and make and make bad jokes. And uh, you get a lot of good content. Patreon.com slash giants. Bobby, we have a lot to get to. I, I yeah. was a bad guy. I, uh, I, ma- I made the executive decision to say we're not going to be talking about the tight ends. Um, towards the latter end of the show, we got to be talking about tight ends today, but we have some other things. We have we actually have some news to talk about this episode too, which is cool. Joe Judge was on the fan. We'll get into the tight end review in a second, but Joe Judge was on the fan, and you know, Coach Speak and Co- you know, so Coach Speak doesn't say. I actually thought he opened up a little bit in this one, um, and there, even when he wasn't opening up, I thought there were some nuggets. And the biggest thing I took away, Justin, is that him and Patrick Graham really are a team. Like those two work 
together. And the whole assistant head coach title for Patrick Graham is not just a title. He really is the assistant head coach. Um, you know, you know, not Jason Garrett, who, you know, some for some reason some people thought he would be the guy to take over if Judge, you know, got COVID or something. Like Patrick Graham truly is the assistant head coach, and those guys are working together. Um, and the way he said like it was a priority to retain him. But two, those are the only two guys in the building right now. Like they are the two on, they're the only two coaches in the building right now going through free agency and making this, you know, and like putting together a like a plan for the off season, man. And I, I'll be honest, I wish I was in there with them. <laughs> it's not a surprise to hear how well, how good of a working relationship they have. And then to see the results on the field, which really, it really wants me to get, to have Joe judge, get his own offensive guy in here that he can, that he can work with as well. But nevertheless, um, their working relationship is really awesome. And one of the things that, you know, I heard from that Joe Judge interview and I took away from that Judge interview, he can just talk. He can just talk candidly and you can have a conversation with Joe Judge about anything. Doesn't have to just be about football or even doesn't have to just be about the Giants, where I think Joe Judge opened up the can of worms because he spoke candidly about the Philadelphia Eagles situation that led Boomer and Geo to ask him some questions about, oh, what do you think about this in the NFL? Geo was trying to get a quote. Geo was trying to get a clip so bad. Like, what do you think about the Steelers? Like, he asked three different times to try and get Judge to, like, trash another team or say something about another team. He's like, I'm going to speak about ourselves. Like, I'm not going to hear the comment on other teams. Gio was trying his hardest to get some kind of soundbite out of him. But I, I don't think it was disingenuous from Gio's part. You know, I, I Judge opened up that can of worms by talking about that in his end-of-season presser by talking about the Eagles. He didn't name them by name, but you know, everybody knew that he was talking about the Eagles. But nevertheless, you know, Judge wasn't an asshole about it when he wasn't like, oh, well, I'm just not going to answer that question. He wasn't a jerk about it. Like that was a nice conversation, and even Boomer and Geo after the after the convo was over, they're like, we could talk to him for like another hour, and that's really the main difference between, I think, Shermer, and McAdoo, where this guy's a people person, and there's a value to that. I know, you know, we talk about coach speak, and we like to downplay that, but somebody that could just get in a room and can just you can just talk to him, and he's relatable, and even that final question about you know what are you gonna what are your hobbies. And he's like, oh, I'm not really much of a golfer. Um, that made me happy because I hate golf people. <laughs> people got mad. I said that on the video, and I got a lot of comments from golf people. It's hard to explain. Yep. It's, I've had bad experiences on the golf course because I'm not a golfer. And they're like, people are like, well, won't you learn about the game? It's like, why, why do I have to learn about the game and study the game to go play golf? Like, I don't have to do that when I go play football or basketball or baseball. I can't stand that. Like, they, last time I was on a golf course, it was it was for my birthday. Me and my brother went. The golf cart ran out of juice, like it ran out of the battery charge. So we had to pu- we pushed it back um, a hole. And so what what happens when we get back? Not like we are so sorry you just had to push a golf cart. They're like you guys can't be sharing clubs and you're not supposed to have that little cooler on it. I was like, dude, we just pushed your golf cart back and you're doing this. And then they came and we're, were following us and like get like golf people for the most part. Just hey, if you're if you're a golf person listening to this, just assume that you're the exception. But for the most part, they stink. I feel judged enough when I'm at Top Golf and I can barely hit the ball. So, um, we know we now know why Joe Judge likes to wear camo. It's not just for show. It's because he kind of is a hunter, and he mentioned that. A lot of like Giants greats or like legends are are hunters. Dave Tolson. Like, 
I mean, that whole team seems to be like hunters. Um, you know, Sorbet was him, and I, you know, I think Tuck likes to go hunt with them whenever he's get a chance. Um, and now Joe Judge. Do you think Patrick Graham's a hunter? No. He's a no. gatherer. He is a gatherer. He's a gatherer of top talent and uh, a, a great, great football minds. Yep. Yep. He is. Um, other interesting stuff from that. I thought it was kind of candid. He just like he told Jones like when the first meeting, like I need to evaluate to see if you're the guy. So. I think that's cool about Joe Judges. He truly is like, hey, I need to see for the guy instead of just crowning him when he came in and was like, you're the franchise QB and you're the reason. Like, he's like, no, like you, you got to prove it to me. So that was cool. And then he talked about Colt McCoy, basically. Like Colt McCoy is like a coach. Oh yeah. And he was meeting with Patrick, like meeting with Patrick Graham and Joe Judge after practices. I thought that was huge. Huge. It is huge. Like he he spoke extensively about that, extensively about. You know, when I heard that Colt McCoy wasn't just meeting after practices with Jason Garrett, but he was also meeting with Patrick Graham because, you know, what I'm guessing is Colt McCoy is running, you know, the, maybe the second teams are running against the first teams or he's running scout, whatever. I, I, scout I don't, team. Yeah, so Colt McCoy was, you know, giving his notes to Patrick. I'm like, I, does that does that usually happen? You know, maybe I maybe we could just be overreacting to that for no reason. Yeah, I mean, it. it I could see it being a part, but if they're doing it often, I don't know how many teams are doing it super often. Um, and I think it's more valuable when you have a defense like Patrick Graham, where you're trying to disguise stuff and he's, and he would be like, tell him like, Hey, I knew when you were, you were like doing this, what you were going to do yeah. and stuff. So there is value in that. And Colt McCoy having that type of guy around to run your uh, scout team and be your backup. And not, and I know this is way off topic, but I don't, I don't view the giants as like, we need to go get ourselves a backup. I just don't have that need. One, a lot of people say you do in the draft. If you draft a QB in the fifth round, he's probably not going to be a good backup, to be honest. Yeah, how many draft picks do the Giants have this year? I don't even think they have seven draft picks this year. Wasting, p- picking QBs in the later rounds, especially for the purpose of being your backup, is, is, is a waste of a draft pick. One percent of them work out. Um, and they're like, like Colt McCoy was drafted, you know, in the later rounds. Like, so I think Colt McCoy is a competent backup. I've never had any issue with that. And honestly, we probably don't have the cap space to go and get ourselves a Marcus Mariota or whatever no. as a backup for No, we do year, not. So. so It would be preferable if we had the cap space, but we just don't have the cap space. And frankly, you know, I don't know if there's any team besides if you don't if you don't have a quarterback, if you don't have kind of like an established quarterback on the roster, um this even includes quarterbacks on their rookie deals. I don't know if any team in the National Football League is in a good cap space who has some sort of established quarterback on the roster. Established backup. I'm talking about established quarter. I'm talking about cap spaces, like the state of the cap in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about backup QBs later in the in the off season. Justin, you want to do the tight end review? It's a yes. weird position. This is not the funnest position to the most fun position to review. Let's have the Evan Ingram conversation. Well, let's give me some thoughts as a whole because I I was not a fan of Jason Garrett this year, and I was more so not a fan of the way he used tight ends. Justin, the New York Giants used their th- tight ends the second most in the NFL. They ran a three tight end sets the second most in the NFL, which is called thirteen personnel of of Evan Ingram, Caden Smith, and Levine Toilolo. And a lot of that was they turned Caden Smith into a lead blocker, which we'll talk about when we talk about him. Justin, I looked at some numbers from the tight end position. In 2020, the tight end position had 86 catches, 812 yards, one touchdown, 9.4 yards per catch, and a 63% catch rate. 
In 2019, the tight end position for the Giants had 95 catches, which is 9 more. 913 yards, 101 more. 7 touchdowns, which is 6 more. 9.6 yards per catch, which is just slightly more. And then a 67.8% catch rate, which is 4.6%. And then I looked at it, it's like, well, let's look at just the starters. Because obviously Evan Ingram missed a lot of time in 2019. In 2020, the starting tight end for the Giants, Ingram, his stats, 63, 654, and 1, with a 57% catch rate. In 2019, the starters had 80 catches, 17 more, 806 yards, 150 more, 6 touchdowns, so 5 more, and then the same yards per catch and a 10% better catch rate on 10 more targets. The tight end position was less productive for the New York Giants this year, and that includes Evan Ingram being the leading target getter for the New York Giants. He got over 100 targets. 100, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was the top target getter on the team. Now, there is, Shep had more targets per game, but he missed four games. But nonetheless, Evan Ingram was the top target getter on the team. This tight end position was used a ton, but I don't think any of us are really pleased with the tight end position as a whole this year, even though we had a freaking pro bowler on it. And a lot of that does have to do with Evan Ingram's drops, but I think it, a lot of it has to do with schemes. Like, where was the yak? You know, like, there. where was the yak for the tight end spot this year? I have data on that, so save that. Keep going, though. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was it. That was it. That was my big, like, opening, like, monologue of, of tight ends. All right, so obviously... Hey, we're analyzing tight ends. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, your, your thoughts with the tight ends, it starts and it... Basically, 90% of your thoughts uh, are Evan Ingram, and then the, I think the final 10% is what you think of the other two. 9% um, Caden Smith, 1% Toy Lolo. Right. Now, let me just say before I poo-poo on Evan Ingram, before we have a you know maybe a negative conversation for a, a couple minutes here, I think Caden Smith is an extremely valuable piece to this offense. Very underutilized, in my opinion. Well, um, let's save that for Caden, because I do want to... I want to ask, what do we think of Caden? And we're going to turn that into a YouTube clip. Got it. As a whole, as a whole, Caden Smith underutilized, very valuable piece. We've talked about his blocking in the past, and now that's transformed the offense. Okay, pencil that. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Six foot three, <laughs> two hundred forty pounds. He's twenty six years old, Justin. He had this fifth-year option picked up, uh, so this will be the last year of his rookie contract, and he's at yeah, has a, a, a cap hit of $6 million. In 2020, he had 63 catches, 654 yards, one touchdown, 10.4 yards per catch, a 57.8% catch rate per game with 3.9 uh, catches, 40.8 yards, and one touchdown, which, you know, 2019 he was injured, but per game, 3.9 in 2020, and 2019, 5.5. Uh, 40.8 yards in 2019 and 2020 or, or 2020 and 2019 58.3 and then the touchdowns um he had three touchdowns in eight games last year he had one in 16 yeah obviously had the one rushing game, uh but we're, we're t- here to talk about receiving not one you know end around for Evan Ingram it was super disappointing and to me it's more the disappointment goes beyond the drops for Evan Ingram this season yeah without a doubt without a doubt and for me Bobby, I think there's there's such nuance and there is such complexity around the Evan Ingram conversation, and it only got more complicated this year um, because there's also a line of thought. Evan Ingram with Eli Manning was better than Evan Ingram with Daniel Jones. Evan I think Ingram with 2019 Daniel Jones was better than like 
Like he he I don't had, think like so. his numbers were pretty half good of, last year. Half of I mean two you know you you talk all the time about Evan Ingram's four game breakout. Sure, two of those came with Daniel Jones, but also two of them came with Eli Manning at the helm. Eli Manning started two games last year and Evan Ingram, if anything, was that was his best all-around game maybe as a pro where he had like 11 catches and over 100 yards and obviously Evan Ingram during the Bucks game he caught that drag route and he went to the house but you know I, I feel like that that wasn't even that wasn't even a great game outside of that one play very important play got the Giants back in the game I don't want to downplay it but you know in 2018 I, I want to go I want to go through some advanced numbers here Evan Ingram's yards per reception in 2019 and 2020 were about the same 10.6 10.4 Okay, but in 2018, his yards per reception was 12.8. His yards before the catch actually was more this year. It was the highest in his career at 5.8, which is kind of surprising. But Bobby mentioned the yak and the yards after the catch. Yards after the catch per reception in 2020 was 4.6. That is terrible. Yards after the catch per reception in 2019 was 5.7. Improvement. 2018, yards after the catch per reception was 8.6. Now let's now let's even talk about this too. You will you may think to yourself, well, Eli Manning was checked down Charlie. Eli Manning was checked down Charlie. So of course, if you're throwing to him closer to the line of scrimmage, then of course you're gonna have more space to run after the catch. There wasn't that much of a major difference between 2019 and 2018 in terms of yards before the catch. Yards before the catch in 2019 was 4.9 with Daniel Jones for the most part. Yards before the catch in 2018 was 4.2. But the yards after the catch is almost a three-yard difference with 5.7 and 8.6. And the expected yards after the catch is insane, too, in 2018 and 2019. 2018, the expected yards after the catch was 6.6. So that's a plus, that's a positive two difference between the expected and the actual performance in 2018. And then 2019, the expected yak was 4.5 and and the yards after the catch was 5.7. So that's approximately a plus 1.2. Bobby? I really do think we we got a not a false illusion of Evan Ingram under Eli Manning, but it's just a fact that Eli Manning works better with Evan Ingram, and whatever Eli did with Ingram, it brought out more in him. I know you love that four game stretch, but what the the numbers are screaming this at me, and they continue to scream this at me that 2018 was just an anomaly for Evan Ingram. And everything else that he has done in his career has been disappointing in terms from an athleticism standpoint and a production standpoint. But look at his numbers as a whole from 2019. It's not just, you know, just but like with the, Eli but, Manning. All right, like, but it, you're, I'm not I'm not talking about the numbers as a whole because raw, and, and come on, you know this, raw volume numbers can be deceiving. The fact that he was not, you know, the fact that he was getting nine, almost nine yards after the catch per reception in 2018 with Eli, that is what we want Evan Ingram to be. And that is what he can be. But six yards, five and a half yards after the catch, that's not, that's not going to cut it if we want Evan Ingram to really take this step up. But especially, you know, we know this year was, was bad in particular because of Jason Garrett's system. Yeah. I mean, this, this system turned a guy with speed into, they tried to make him Jason Witten. Like, we thought they would add elements of what Jason Witten did with the whole Y-stick thing. And they tried to turn him into curl, curl out, curl out, curl out. The stick concept. Um, and you could say, like, volume numbers don't mean anything. But in 2019... I didn't say they don't mean anything. But. Yeah, but you know what I mean. In, in, in eight games, he had 44, 467, and three. That's... If you double that, which is, you know, which is eight times, you know, two equals 16. 
That's 88 catches, almost 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. Now, the touchdowns aren't as predictive as, as catches and yards, but it wasn't like with Jones, he wasn't having good games. I mean, you know, the first one, 6 for 113, 4 for 54, 6 for 42. The game back from the injury against Arizona, 1 for 6, which remember he had two big drops in that game, 4 for 40, 6 for 48. So they weren't bad games with, with Daniel Jones. Maybe they, they weren't as good as the first two with with Eli, but the first two with Eli, 11 for 116, 6 for 48. So the first two games with Jones, 6 for 113, 4 for 54. So it's basically the exact same yards-wise, just some more catches. We have about the same sample size with Evan Ingram, with Evan Ingram's career with Eli Manning, as to Daniel Jones with Evan Ingram, and all of the all of, you you can look at the raw volume stats and be like, sure. Yeah, but sixteen you know, of the twenty-two with Daniel Jones are with Jason Garrett. I under, I understand that. I understand that. But also, this is also important to note. Um, I actually wrote when I wrote my blog on TalkingGiants.com about. The Giants need to reduce the snaps of Evan Ingram after the Eagles game, which when was the the first Eagles game? Week seven. Week seven. Week seven. So his yards before the catch per reception was three point seven. Remember how there was a philosophical change in how Evan Ingram was used, and it was pretty much after you know it was pretty much that Eagles game where I feel like they started using him down the field a little bit more. So there was for half the season. Evan Ingram, <laughs> his yards before the catch per reception was 3.7. And as a reminder, 2019, it was 4.9. 2018, it was 4.2. So they really started to use him deeper down the field the second half of the season, which was better. Which was better. So, Bobby, here's my question to you. Because now I guess we'll start talking about Evan Ingram's future and what, and what we want to do with him. Does Evan Ingram's second half of the season and how the Giants used him, does that change your mind at all? about how you view Evan Ingram's future with the team. I mean, I'm I'm not in a rush to trade Ingram unless you're getting like real compensation. Like I'm not I'm not like, oh, he drops the ball, we got to get rid of him. Like but like I I but yeah, I when he's used right, he can be he can be good. He's never going to be, you know, he's not a great tight end, but the way Shermer used him I was fine with like all. It's, it was really as simple as that. Like, yeah, was he a first putting up first round production? No, but I was fine with the way he was used with Pat Shermer. It's just the way Jason Garrett used him as like, hey, we're gonna run these curls, curls, and he even said in himself in an interview, like that's the biggest difference. We run so many curls. Um, I, yeah, I think Ronon or, or Duggan got it out of him. Yeah, um, yeah. earlier in the year, but I mean, but this year, as much as we could talk about Garrett not using him, this year's bad on Evan Ingram himself. Okay. Yeah. Let's go through 11 drops. That's the most in the NFL. You can't blame Jason Garrett on that. And drop two rate, fumbles. Drop rate was 10%. One out of every 10 balls that went Evan Ingram's way this year, he dropped. And two fumbles. One was credited to him, one wasn't. But let's go Let's go through it because, you know, you'll t- you'll talk about, like, oh, Jones' passer rating with him and, like, the interceptions. Like, But some aren't his fault. Like, the Pittsburgh one's not his fault. But here's the one that is, are his fault. The Bears interception. That was supposed to be a bang-bang play. Like, you read the defense, go where you're going, he slips, the ball hits him in the chest, he pops it up, interception. The 49ers fumble, I saw people like, oh, Jones could have put it a little better. Bull crap. It's a reverse, it's a toss, it hits your hands. He's not throwing a bullet into your hands. It hits your hands on a toss, you catch it, that's a fumble. That's two. The Eagles interception, uh, you know, on third down. Yeah, it was Jones throwing the ball hard, but that's football. 
You catch the ball when the throw's hard. Gets tipped up, interception. So that's three turnovers. Then the Eagles drop, which basically just flat out loses us a game. But I won't count that as a turnover. I do. But, okay, but... Actual turnovers three, but that loses it results, us the game. It right results. There. It that, results. A, it's, it results in a turnover on downs you, on a fourth you gotta, down. Then so. you have to play that game with everybody else, though. So th- three, because there's other people who had drops on third down. Um, so that's three real turnovers. The Bengals fumble. That's four. The Seahawks interception. That's five. The Cowboys interception. Six. Six turnovers by by just Evan Ingram. Six turnovers by Evan Ingram. I mean, how many turnovers did Daniel Jones have this year? He had ten. He had um, 10 interceptions. How many fumbles did he lose this year? Four, five, I think. And then you take one away because it hit Evan Ingram in his hands. Yeah. So, <laughs> five, like half of half of Jones' interse- like turnovers were literally Evan Ingram's fault. Yeah. So, and, and as, yeah. as much as the scheme sucked, this year's on Evan Ingram just as much as it is Jason Garrett, too. Because, you know, he catches, you know, you can't have, expect him to not have any drops in a year. But he catches, you know, six out of those eleven drops. Well, his catch rate's a lot better from, you know, from there. Uh, you know, his yards is, is, you know, there's an extra eighty yards on the season. You know, the Giants, there's more wins on the season. I mean, the Eagles one is a flat out. He doesn't drop that pass. We win. Um, the division. <laughs> yeah. So, it's the bear. The Bears. The Bears one. If he doesn't slip and and pop the ball up, we win that game. Because even if he doesn't catch that, it's fourth down. We kick a field goal. We kick a field goal at the end of the game. We win that game. That's two wins. That's two flat out. Like, this doesn't happen. Giants 100% win the Eagles game. In the Bears game, let's say it's like 80% they win that game. Yeah, and you, you've heard me say this before about Evan Ingram. And, it, you know, it is statistically proven. You know, uh, I, I, I will preface it this way. Evan Ingram is harmed his team the most in the National Football League by being targeted, not counting running backs. Running backs, you know, there are some running backs where I know Zeke, Zeke had a, Zeke had a bad year receiving, I think, in terms of EPA, but there was no wide receiver or tight end that costs his team more in terms of expected points added, in terms of putting points on the board or taking away points than Evan Ingram. And Bobby, you know, you, uh, you, I know you like to talk about things that are is that are his is his fault and not his fault. I'm also at a point where where I'm I, again. I look at the yards after the catch. I look at how they have declined since his career started, and declined since Eli Manning left, and they declined with Jason Garrett. Targeting Evan Ingram is harming this team more than it is helping, even when he isn't causing interceptions. It is still hurting the team overall. So the Giants need to really look at themselves in the mirror. And I don't even know what I would I don't even know what I want them to do. But they really need to look themselves in the mirror and they need to say, is this going to work? Yeah. If they get good trade compensation, they should do it. They should yeah. do it. Especially with him getting into his fifth year where there's like you have to make a decision to resign him or not. I um, wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like trading. <laughs> you you never want to give up on talent. And I truly do believe that you don't want to give up on talent, but there does come a point where it's like, okay, this this relationship has to end because it's just not going anywhere good. Even when he plays 16 games, if it's you know it, it, he stinks, and if it's not one thing, it's the other thing. So, um, yeah, it's tough. All right, so that that leads us into the next guy, 
Caden Smith. Caden Smith, second year out of Stanford, six foot five, two hundred fifty-two pounds, twenty-three years old. Remember, he was claimed uh, early in twenty nineteen from the 49ers. Um, in fact, he was the the draft pick right after Darius Slayton, and supposedly Dave Gettleman was picking between Slayton and Caden Smith in that in that spot. Uh, contract wise, he's with us for the next two years at eight hundred fifty thousand and nine sixty-five k. He played forty-five percent of the snaps this year, and he missed one game due to COVID. Uh, that being said, he only had 18 catches, 112 yards, an 85% catch rate, 6.2 yards per catch. Justin, obviously, 2019 is different because he was the starter for the last six games, but in those games, he had 31 catches, 268 yards, three touchdowns, and, eight, and uh, you know, over two more yards per catch. So, uh, you know, going into this year, like, can Caden Smith be the starting tight end? They used him different this year. as They used him basically as a fullback half of the time. What what is your views of Caden Smith, and do you think he could be the starting tight end if they moved on from Evan Ingram? <sighs> I think he can be a an extremely valuable piece to this team because if you think about you know his contract situation, he can't be getting paid a lot of money, and even if his I don't know how long contract is, even if a contract expires, he can't demand a lot of money. He can't. He just has not, he has not had the production, but Bobby, the way that he is used in this offense, I love it. Him as a lead blocker. And you know, we, we, we talk about this podcast. You talk about on this podcast about the value of a fullback, even though Elijah Penny stepped up this play in the second half of the season, this team almost has two fullbacks. You're going to have two fullbacks out on the field at one time when you're using Caden Smith as a lead blocker, pulling from one side of the line of scrimmage out into whatever hole that they're running inside, you know, with an inside zone play. And you can also have Elijah Penny out in the football field. You're going to have two lead blockers um, paving the way for a running back. And I don't know how good he is, you know, blocking maybe straight up to straight up. I don't know how much he's progressed from last year. I know there was some questions about that. But him doing that one thing changed our entire running game this year. We are not a near top 10 rushing offense this year, which, and you know, I don't know how much value that actually has, especially when you consider the Giants were second to last in points per, dri- points per drive. But we don't have a near top 10 rushing offense without Caden Smith this year. I think we are down at the bottom in passing and rushing if it's not for Caden Smith lead blocking. I think that has a little bit to do with scheme, though, because he was up and down with that. Like, there's times where he did a good job and times where he totally whiffed on guys. Um, so I think someone else could do that role better than Caden Smith. Um, you know, and what he was asked to do was basically, you know, come from the backside and block a linebacker, which, you know, isn't the craziest thing. It's more about just hitting the guy in the right spot than it is, like, blocking well. You're not, like, you know, driving your feet. It's more about hitting the guy at the right spot where your running back can cut off of that. So it wasn't like he himself was, like, just changing the way we run the game, you know, like a fullback like Kyle, you know, Juszczyk and, and San Fran or, or, you know, Sherman in Kansas City. So... It's much as I like, I do like that role, and I th- and I'm fine with him in that role. I don't view that as like, wow, look at this thing that Caden Smith figured out how to do. Now, not all tight ends can do that, so it's nice that he can. Um, and I, you know, obviously, I think his best role is as a two tight end, but I also think he should have more than 18 catches and 112 yards in 15 games. Yeah, like he he basically just ran flat routes. Like he, you know, he had good games. He had you know 90 yard games. He had two touchdown you know games. Six catch games, seven catch games. Like he had good games as a starter. I'm not asking him to be the starter, but he can be a check down valve in the middle. And instead of just running f- curl flat, curl flat, and he's a flat on that. And that's basically where 
almost all of his catches came from. Yeah, in 2019, his yards before the catch per reception was 5.7, which isn't which isn't bad. Um, his yards before the catch per reception this year on 18 catches was 1.3. That's running back numbers. That's running back checkdown numbers right there. Um, so we were talking about Caden Smith, you know, maybe matching his production from last year, which is 30 catches, maybe 50, you know, 50 targets, 45, to, uh, 45 targets. We were thinking that he could match maybe the production that he had from last year because we really wanted the Giants to utilize two tight ends because they have talented two tight ends. I was look, I was thinking a Martellus Bennett tight end two behind Jason Witten's season for Caden At Smith. least that role because he's not the same like talent that Martellus was, but at least that role instead right. of just running flats. And we just didn't see it. No. Yeah. I mean, there was times. Where there, I mean, there was times where he ran that route and you know the ball didn't go to him. But yeah, I, I thought he could have been, especially with Evan Ingram's issues. Like, why wasn't there times where it's like, you know what, we're going to let Caden Smith be the tight end for a series? Yeah. You know, instead of just letting Evan Ingram like drop, 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 drop with basically like, ah, well, try, you know, try better, young man. Definition um, of insanity, yeah. Yeah. So, what, what, how many, what was the game that Caden Smith had the most yards in this year? I don't will, look, don't look, oh, don't, don't look, look, don't look, don't look, don't look. Um, shoot. 18 catches. I mean, come on. Um, I I want to say 49er game as a wild guess. Nope. Week one versus Pittsburgh, he had 17 yards. That was the most yards he's had in, had in the game. <laughs> That's silly. Like, look at the backups with, you know, in, in past years, whether it was Ellison. Like, they, there was games where they would have yards. Like, I'm not expecting Caden Smith to have, like, some 100-yard game as the backup. But I, I would like to have a game where he had, like, 40-something yards, you know. And I don't think it's because Caden Smith sucks. I think it's just because, like, and we, I mean, we ran more three tight end sets than anybody in the league. Like, it's not like we don't use three, t- you know, three tight ends the way Pat Shermer didn't do that. Like, Pat Shermer basically ran one tight end at all times. This is important um, to ben- break down. I'm going to break down uh, the exact, how we performed with 13 personnel. How we performed. So, this is 2020, New York Giants. I will find it right now. So 10% of our plays, one out of every 10 plays the Giants ran this year were out of 13 personnel, which is super nuts. 13 personnel, three tight ends. That's a super rushing formation. Um, they had a total of 90 plays, successful play rate of 42% short, but their pass rate was 41%. They had uh, 34 pass attempts, 20 completions, 71.9 passer rating, two touchdowns, two interceptions. 6.2 yards per attempt and air yards per attempt was 6.5. They also had three sacks, which Bobby, how many? I, I think two, two of the sacks out of those three were Caden Smith. Well, one was Caden Smith totally. The other one was Wayne Gallman. They counted as. So, yeah, and there might be another one. I'm not. I'm not thinking of. And then run rate, 59 percent out of the 90 plays they ran. Um, out of um, they had 53 rushing attempts out of 13 personnel this year. Zero rushing touchdowns, 3.3 yards per carry, which kind of surprised me. I actually thought that, and this also could be short yardage situations too, but um, not wasn't that illustrious of a formation where the Giants were really imposing their will and running it down teams' throats. Yeah, it's just, for a guy that was used that much, played 45, like he played half the snaps because he, he missed a game, so he played half the snaps to have that little of actual production, and I get he was used as a lead, like he was used more as a blocker than a receiver. But I just feel like he could have been used better. Which brings me back to my question: 
Do you think Caden Smith could be a starter? No. I don't know. I don't know if he's... I, and I'm saying this genuinely. I don't know if he's a good enough route runner, and I don't know if he's a good enough athlete. I think he can because we saw him do it in 2019 and be we were happy with it. We were we were happy with it. Don't need him the, to be focal point of offense, but we... I don't. Uh, he doesn't need to be the focal point of the offense. This isn't me saying like, be freaking you know George Kittle, but can he average four catches, forty yards a game, and have one touchdown like Evan Ingram? Can he match that? I think he can. I also do think, if the Giants do want to take a step up as a football team, finding somebody at tight end because you know you even just look at where the where the league is trending and and how successful teams have been able to win. They've had tight ends that they can rely upon and they can do many different things. And I'm saying I don't know. I'm not saying no to Caden Smith. I'm saying yeah, I'm I don't know. I'm not saying you like pick Kyle Pitts or like don't pick Kyle Pitts because you have Caden. But if you go someone else at, at the, in the first round, like I don't think you're like we got to get ourselves a tight end if Caden Smith is the starter in 2020. Yeah. 2021. I, view, I view Caden Smith as an awesome, awesome complimentary piece. Really. Like, I, I love having Caden Smith as somebody who is a number two, that he is a re, he's a reliable enough route runner, because that is what he did show in 2019. He has a reliable enough chemistry with Daniel Jones, even just coming here in the middle of the season with no training camp and no prior experience. Evan Ingram just going down, and, you know, Red Elson going down as well. So this guy just has to come off from the street, and he has good chemistry with Daniel Jones. That's what he did show. Um, and I love him as that having that role being that being a reliable piece for Daniel Jones. I don't know if I just want him to be the only option at tight end for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't mind it. And we you even saw it at Duke. Like um in fact Noah Gray, I'm gonna see him at the senior bowl, so that'll be interesting. Uh uh Jones's tight end at Duke. He views his tight end as more of a safety valve than a number one target. That's the way he is. He likes to work the sidelines. Um and then, you know, deep over the middle and then his, he likes to have his checkdowns towards the middle of the field. And that usually means a tight end like Caden Smith. And then you can, I mean, you look at the way he was used. You can put him up the seams. He's solid enough to do that. He doesn't need to burn. He just needs to find holes in zone. He did that even with Eli. Um, and have like those, you know, those occasional out routes when they're playing, you know, when they're really playing over the top with deep concepts. So I would be fine. I'm not saying I'm like, would expect a world out of him. But if he's the starter in 2021, I'm not complaining. No, depends on what we do at wide receiver. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like I, you know, we can't. He can't be the lead target getter, you know. Like it's not that, but just like, hey, he's our number one tight end, and he's the fourth option in the offense. I'm yeah. totally fine with that for Caden Smith. Yeah, sure. All right, you want to move on? We have one more player to talk about. Levine Toilolo. We're not going to spend a lot of time on him. Six foot eight, two hundred sixty-eight pounds, twenty-nine years old. Played twenty-seven percent of the snaps. Our third tight end played twenty-seven percent of the snaps. Obviously, he was brought in as a free agent uh, from San Francisco. Uh, this this year, his contract is two point nine million, but they can cut him with no dead cap, so he could he could very well end up being cut. Um, this season, he had five catches, forty six yards, but I mean, he was he was a third blocking tight end. Like I said, we ran you know thirteen personnel a ton. It was used a ton in that Seattle game. Like he was a big part of that Seattle game. His blocking. I am very in the middle on Toy Lolo. Like he's a third tight end. I thought he was a pretty good blocker. You know, he's not going to be blocking as good as an offensive lineman, so you'll have those plays where he doesn't block well. But uh, I'm fine with him. That being said, 
I don't know. I think I can find a better two point nine million dollars to spend than you than having Levine Toilolo. Yeah, Giants Future at Future underscore Giants. He's a Patreon member. Go follow him on Twitter and Instagram. He put out a cap savings if we cut any of the following tweet, I believe today. And three million like you said, three million if we cut Levine Toilolo we save and it's not dead cap. I think we do that. Right? Yeah. I'm I'm I, I have no and or maybe you bring him back for you know, one mil or something. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. I'm not, this isn't me saying like, Oh, you don't need a third tight end. Cause you know, you have to have someone to be the third tight end, but I don't think we need to be spending $3 million on our third tight end. No, if um, Evan Ingram, if Evan Ingram's on the team, you need to have a third, t- you need to have a third tight end just in case he goes down. Bobby, you save $6 million. If you cut Evan Ingram, do we do it? No, no, you can get, no you can find a, tra- a trade partner for Evan Ingram. No like, way. I will be shocked. If you don't think other teams would convince themselves to trade for Evan Ingram, you're crazy. Like They're not going to look at his drops. They're just not. I mean, they will, but they're, those drops are not going to stop teams from trading Evan Ingram. If they, if they, here, let me put this out there to Giants fans. If the New York Giants want to trade Evan Ingram, he will be traded. It's not a, like a Golden Tate situation where it's like you can't really find anything more than a late seventh-round pick. Agreed. So... All right, that's our tight end review. Um, maybe we'll be talking about a Evan. We'll have an Evan Ingram was traded episode later in this year. How about that? How about that, Justin? Do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? That that was the music. I don't know if I'm going to put in the music this episode. That you got to put in the music. You got to put in the music. It's the return of Giant Stories. It's the return of Giant Stories. You know, we fought about that name for maybe like three months last offseason. We landed on it. In the offseason, these players, they live their lives. So we want to get give you a little, you know, a view into their life and, and give our takes on them. So we literally go through their Instagram stories every day and then write down, what are these guys doing? Now, we're not going to be telling you about them working out. Like, they all put out their workout videos on Instagram. We don't need to tell you that. But just interesting things from their lives and, and uh there's something that catches our interest we'll talk about it so just about deandre you... baker uh last year he talked about him shooting people or yeah, i'm sorry that, that had his own episode that was even giant stories threatening to shoot people yes he didn't shoot anybody okay put some respect on his name hope he gets healthy all right ready for the music yes Golden Tate, who could only have a couple more months on this segment, went to the dentist. Was his name Krentis? Andrew Thomas got a puppy, and he had surgery, which we'll talk about later in the episode. Nick Gates, Chad Slade, Cam Fleming, Spencer Pulley, Will Hernandez, and Daniel Jones went to Miami on a PJ. And they stopped posting to their stories because they probably would get them in trouble. Uh, Saquon Barkley went on a podcast with Mike Tyson. Adrian Colbert was snow skiing. Shane Lemieux was at the Nike HQ. He's from Oregon. That makes sense. Alex Bachman was playing golf. Cam Brown, Shamba, and Naba. I think those are his do- his cats or dogs' names. I can't remember now what I put down. Leonard Williams was skateboarding with his brother. Xavier McKinney uh, was in a Ferrari with Henry Ruggs at the national championship down in Miami. Darnay Holmes was playing fetch with his dog. Darius Slayton celebrated his 24th birthday. Dante Pettis put up a new YouTube video with his girlfriend. He's kind of weird. Casey Kreider was on Twitch. And Wayne Gallman was beating Elijah Penny in Madden. Justin, what uh, what, what, what piques your interest this week? 
How cute was the puppy for Andrew Thomas? It's it's a cute puppy. I don't know how it's, how it's going to be when it's a a big dog. Like I don't think people put like I don't think people put enough emphasis in like how did, will this dog look when it's old? Because there's some old dogs that are just ugly. Yeah. Like you got to look at the adult version. Like, will I like having that thing next to me? Like, here's something. One of my customers he has a little Chihuahua, cool dog, but for like he was a puppy and he's getting older. Like two weeks ago when I was there. His red rocket popped out, and now I never want to touch that dog again. Like, if I see a dog's red rocket, I never want to touch it again. Really? Yes. It's just like, you're disgusting. You're a disgusting animal when I see the red rocket. Oh, yuck. Um, Dante Pettis, weird guy? He's just... When I say weird, he's just like... I don't know. He's just kind of... There's something... Like, he does the YouTube channel, and maybe he's just like... His girlfriend is making him do this YouTube channel, which it, it's it's mostly her... Maybe he's just like kind of camera shy. Um, so he's not like Chase Claypool. No, he's like the exact opposite. Even though he does have a YouTube channel, but I watched like their whole video. What's what uh, what stuck out to you? Um, let's see. Do we know who won the Madden game against Wayne Gallman? Wayne Gallman. He was he was he was you know making fun of Elijah Penny. Oh, good. Well, what t- stuck out to me is we didn't talk about this. These guys went down to my D. Daniel Jones took the the veteran O line. Kevin Zeitler didn't go. I assume Zeiss just wanted to spend time with his family after the off season. But he took him down to Miami. So I'm guessing that was the the gift for the offensive line this All year. All right, I have a question for you. I have an answer, most likely. I know something about, and you, you, I think you know what I'm about to say. I know something about where the Giants players were in the state of New Jersey and what they were doing, but not everybody else knows about it. And I would never tweet it out. But it could be something we could say on the podcast in New Jersey. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember I sent you and Danny something about where Will Hernandez and some of the oh, offensive yeah, linemen yeah. were? Oh yeah, like a, at a they were at a club. A, they were, a club. okay. So they were at Club Thirty Five, and this was a and I you know, <laughs> a lot, you know a lot Daniel of people. Daniel Jones wasn't there. It was just Daniel a Jones of them. was not there. This was just the offensive line. Um, I don't know if Thomas was there. I don't know if uh, Parrot was there, but um, only a few vets. It was a. Uh, it was um, Will Hernandez, which well, why are we we shouldn't be outing these guys for that. No, it's nothing bad. They're all adults that can make. Yeah, their but own they decisions. don't. They may not want that out there, and that wasn't put. That wasn't that wasn't put out there by them. It was. This is giant was stories, out- not their Instagram story. Like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Like you, this this is this is now this is like TMZ bullcrap, and I hate TMZ. Well, I asked you, can I say it, and you were like, oh yeah, and then you change your mind. Yeah, don't, let's not talk about that. Club Club Thirty Five in a in like um on Route Thirty Five, a couple Giants players were there. Are you going to listen to the podcast with Mike Tyson? Who who was on it? Saquon Barkley. Were you listening? <laughs> no, I was. I'm, I I don't know if I'm going to listen to that. How sad are you going to be when Golden Tate, who is basically on this every week, like he's very active on Instagram stories, is no longer on on this segment? Like he's got Maybe. like he's got ba- basically two months left on this segment gonna be really upset so you can um, see it on my face hopefully we get to play with andrew thomas's puppy um i'm trying my best to go and play the day with andrew thomas this offseason and and his uh like his workout regime so we're we're trying to do that uh so um there was it was the first week you know it's, it's corona so they're not doing anything crazy but i mean the craziest thing was daniel jones and all of them going down to miami on the PJ. So good on Daniel Jones for treating treating the O-line. Will Hernandez likes to have a good time. I mean, who doesn't like to have a good time? Maybe that's why he got Corolla. Yeah, 
I mean, we're not going to Corolla shame. No, no, you can't. I think we're at a point where you where you can't do that. Everyone's gotten it already. Yeah, that that's my point. Like you can't, you know, unless you know for a fact somebody was just being a. We're a, just not a, shame guys. A in general, unless you suck at calling plays, then we will shame you. Unless you are Evan Ingram. Um, and even then, I'm not even like like I feel bad for Evan Ingram because it's like he doesn't want to have drops. It's not like it's not like he's like hmm, I'm going to put some effort into my. I don't feel hmm. like I don't feel like spending time after practice and working on my drops. Like there's, it's just like you kind of just drop it. Like I don't know <laughs> what the issue is. He has a great voice. He has a great speaking voice. I enjoy listening to him talk. He had a he has a couple IGTVs where you know he's just on a boat. Um, good looking man by the way. I think he's he's got to do something with that hair. It, it's it's. Uh, did I like Evan Ingram's hair when it was longer? He's got a little gap in the teeth too, like Michael Strahan. Um. Did I like it when it was longer? Or did I like it when it was shorter? I think it's too much. I don't. I think he's got to get something. I think he's got to get it under control. Um, but he was on IGTV. Just talks about like how thankful he is and how blessed he is. I'm like, all right, Evan Ingram, you go. Even though, even though a lot of things have not gone your way, um, good for you for being blessed. And he has a very smooth voice. He should be a pastor when he retires. He has a smooth voice, so he should be a pastor. Well, he well he talks about he's very. I think he's very religious. All right. He should mix the two things. Um, Andrew Thomas got surgery. Yeah, let's talk about that for real. Now, I saw people been like, see, that was his issues in the beginning of the year. That was, and listen, I, I love Andrew Thomas. That wasn't his issue. His issue was that his inside foot sucked. His inside sucked. It dropped back instead of powering down. Um, and and it, it seemed like it was his left ankle too. Like, that was not his issue. His issue was his his right foot just he didn't know how to use it the right way against NFL defense events. He fixed it and he got better. Um, but it is interesting. Like I don't think it really affected him because you just you never even saw the guy limping. Um, but I'm I'm assuming it's from that. Remember the San Fran game? He he missed the last two plays and Matt Parrott came in at left tackle. Ooh, I'm assuming that's when it was, and that was at week three. So he went basically the entire season with that. So I mean maybe it did because he you know. No, you know, the issues he had showed up in the San Fran game. They just weren't, like, really that bad. So maybe it did a little bit, but his issues weren't like, oh, see, this is what this is why he struggled. Um, and he didn't struggle in the second half of the season. You can talk to me about pass block win rate, which isn't a real stat. He had a good second half of the season. And if you want to compare him to the other offensive tackles, Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton, he was much better than Jedrick Wills in the second half of the season. And him and Becton were basically the same. Becton just has a couple more highlight plays. But Thomas is very consistent in the run game. He gets he moves guys in the run game. Part of that is the way the Giants call it, you know, use their run game better than the Jets did. Um, and he was just as good, if not better, than Becton in the pass game. I mean, yeah, did did Thomas have a bad fourth quarter versus Arizona? Yeah. But did he give up two sacks against uh Miles Garrett and the Browns? No. Mekhi Becton did. Mekhi Becton had another two sack game. Um so Andrew Thomas's second half of the year was a very good second half of the year for a rookie. Like I'm, and that's honestly for a rookie at that spot. That's really all you should judge him off of. Like, what did he do in the second half of the season? It's not just hoping he gets better, like Eric Flowers. Well, Bobby, remember Eric Flowers' rookie year? How we we left his rookie year thinking Eric Flowers is a warrior. He played all year with it. Remember, he had an ankle injury. He played all year with it. Yeah, him being tough doesn't make him good though. Like the, with Eric Flowers, it was never like. 
man, he was really good the second half of the season. It was just like, hey, he's a rookie, give him a shot, which is fair. And also Eric Flowers just had no work ethic either. Right, where Andrew Thomas, I found myself, now we interviewed Keenan Forney, you know, over the offseason, so, you know, we have that bias inevitably, you know, just for rooting for this guy. Bobby obviously, you know, knew, Bobby knew the second, I think the 2019 season ended, like, oh, he was looking at tackle prospects, like, oh, this guy's the best, and he stuck with that. So we have a personal bias to Andrew Thomas on this podcast, but I found myself, as the season was ending, and as the season was drawing to a close, watching Andrew Thomas and rooting for him, because, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not an offensive line aficionado like Bobby is, but I found myself just my eyes peering down to his spot and in his part of the screen, especially when the Giants, you know, especially when the left tackle was on the near side of the screen. I'm just like, holy crap, Andrew Thomas is like taking care taking care of himself, and he's taking care of business. And it was really cool to see. It was really fun to see how he finished the season. Um, especially when that when you think about that's our first round pick and our fourth overall pick. Um, yeah, he was put on an island all year too. It wasn't yeah. like they they never like oh let's go give some extra help to Andrew Thomas. It was basically the other way around. Like let's give some help to the right side. Let's get Nick Gates looking to the right side. So, uh, I was I I'm very proud of his rookie season and it has nothing to do with him being injured. Do we know what it was like exactly on? You know, obviously an ankle, ankle. but what kind of surgery? Do we know no. anything? No. no. He just put it on his Instagram story. And then, you know, uh, Duggan found out that it's just like it was an ankle injury that he's been dealing with throughout the year. I'm assuming it was the San Fran game because he actually left that game for an ankle injury. Go and clip that. That would do That would do well. I, you know, I will do that. I'm going to do that as soon as we actually end, end this pod. I don't know why. I don't know why you didn't do it already. Because I didn't think about it until we got on the pod. I'm oh you 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 remembered that immediately like you didn't look you that wasn't part of your pre-show prep no not at all you just well you got to think the Andrew Thomas surgery came out the like basically the same time the Nets traded for James Harden it was on purpose so I mean I was in full on like Nets mode I know I was pissing people off but it's like you know what let me be happy about my team okay so you're saying Andrew Thomas did that on purpose. Hey, uh, news dump. A new all-time news dump That's by Andrew right. Thomas. That's right. We're not we're not leading off the Michael K show and Boomer I mean, he didn't and Geo. Put it out there, and no one would have ever known. Like no one would have ever if he didn't put it on his Instagram story, no one would have ever known. Like literally, that got put on the Instagram story. Like within a minute of him putting it on a story, someone tagged us in it. Then I sent it to Rosenblatt. Rosen because I was like, I'm not going to be the guy that posts his Instagram story, but Rosenblatt's a beat reporter. I sent to Rosenblatt. Rosenblatt posts it. And then, like, 45 minutes later, Duggan has, like, oh, he had surgery. Good for you for giving Rosenblatt the tip. Hey. You scratch my back. Or I scratch your back, you scratch my back. You you scratch my back, Funny I scratch my back. Funny about my back. All right, I won't finish that joke. Well, too, too much. Super, super bad. <laughs> too much. Too much my neck, my back. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is too much. All right, that's the show. We appreciate you guys. Look out for Bleeding Blue on Monday. I'm looking Ooh. forward to that. Um, and get the shirts. The links. Oh, that's we forgot to do that. The Shake Damn. and Bake shirts. D- Joe Judge, Patrick Graham. We'll put them all on social media anyways. But, uh, Justin, put that in the link for the description. For, I'll put for it in the show shirts. notes. Show um, notes. So, appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Tuesday if no huge news breaks. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>